This is The Policy Matters, a podcast at the intersection of government and business. We are the Strategos Group, and we will be sitting down with policy experts and business leaders to discuss their story, the lessons they've learned, and the future of policy nationwide. Today, we're talking with the Associate Vice President of Bard Early Colleges, Clara Botstein. More than a million students take dual enrollment courses of some kind, but we do see big gaps in access by income and race. And so our hope is that over time, the movement expands and that the demographics of the students served reflect the demographics of the high school student body. I'm Todd Lamb, and this is The Policy Matters. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Todd Lamb. Today is April 27th, as we are taping this show. And I'm here with our podcast engineer, Orlando Pryor. Orlando, how are you today? Todd, I'm a longtime fan, longtime listener, and I'm (laughs) really happy to be on this call with you. You know, when I used to have a, a radio show when I was probably your age, 25, 24 years old, I had a kid who would call, his name was Tipo. And he would call and say, he would keep track of the count. So he would say, hey, Todd, it's Tipo, a fourth-time caller, long-time listener. And then the next time he would call, it would be fifth-time caller. He kept track of the whole thing. He was one of my, probably my top caller of my show for, for two years. What did he get to? What number? Oh, like 57. I had to quit the business because I couldn't take any more of Tipo's. He would just ask trivia questions that I could never answer. Uh, that's why I got into, I got out of sports broadcasting and got into uh, politics and education uh, because well, of Tipo, probably. Today's a little bit different. We're talking with uh, Bard Early College. Yeah, it's Maryland is a funny state. Uh, Bard was being asked by the city of Baltimore's uh, public schools, Baltimore City Schools, to come put in a early college high school into that city uh, to give uh, another option to students but also because of their track record, their incredible track record of graduation success in a city, Baltimore, that you know, has its unique challenges uh, that cuts across all large urban settings in American education. Uh, they graduated at like a 98% rate. Uh, so they were being wow. asked to come in. They, they, they weren't like trying to pry the door open, uh, but because they confer a higher education degree, an AA degree to students that earn it, the local community colleges were up in arms to fight them from coming in. The, the argument was just simple money. Why are we giving money to an out-of-state organization, a college, when we could be doing that right here at home? And the answer is simple. The community colleges that were griping the most have like a less than 10% graduation rate, whereas Bard has a continued example of excellence dating back something like 40 years. So I helped uh, our governor, Larry Hogan, who's making quite a name for himself in the uh, current world that we live in, uh, jumped right in and decided to uh, push back against the local community colleges and allow them to operate. And they have been an amazing success story ever since. And so Clara Botstein, uh, I've gotten to know her over the last five years, good friend and a wonderful person. Uh, it's a great story. I hope our listeners will dive in and try to a lot of people who focus a lot of time on education have never really even heard of the early college high school concept. So um, I uh, am very excited for everybody to uh, listen in. It takes about 20 minutes, Orlando. And uh, uh, with that, let's get on with the show. I'm here today with a friend and colleague, Clara Haskell-Botstein. I, I, Clara, I want to just 
dive right into what Bard Early College High School is. But first, as we're recording this, uh, I'm mindful that we are in the middle of the pandemic lockdown. I'm wondering, where are you today? Where have you been staying and living? And and what are you doing to, to not go crazy? Thanks, Todd, for having me on the show. I am based in Washington, D.C., and to avoid going crazy, I've been going on runs many more than ever before, uh, petting my very large cat and uh, learning to cook. I love it. I love it. I'm doing a lot of walking myself. So first of all, Bard College, I, I had no idea when I met you some years ago how well known that college is. Tell, tell our listeners a little bit about the college itself. Certainly. So Bard College is a nonprofit liberal arts college. We're based in the Hudson Valley of New York in a town called Annandale. We were founded in the 1860s, um, actually in 1860. And what's really unique about Bard, in addition to being an excellent selective liberal arts college with a small student body, about 2,000 undergraduates, we have a really strong public interest mission. And that shows up in all kinds of of initiatives that the college runs, um, but primarily in early college education and prison education in this country. So we offer free college programs, typically at the associate's degree level, um, in addition to offering a bachelor's degree program on our main campus. So we're a very unique institution, uh, both an independent um, tuition-based four-year college, um, as well as a college that offers free college programs to populations with limited access. Who came up with the idea for an early college high school, and when was that? So actually, the concept of early college dates back to the 19th century, 20th century. It really wasn't uncommon at that time for students to start college earlier. Um, A famous example is actually Martin Luther King Jr., who went to college at the age of 15. The concept of early college was repopularized in the 30s when there was a need to reduce unemployment and had a resurgence in the 60s, which is when Simon's Rock, which Bard currently runs, um, the first and longest standing residential early college, was established. Um, So this was all about trying to make the high school years more productive, more engaging. Um, And then in 1999, as I'm sure you remember, we had the Columbine Massacre, and there was real urgency then around how to fix the American high school. And that really led to the birth of the public early college movement or early college education in the public sector. The Gates Foundation was actually instrumental in spurring the growth of this movement beginning in around 2001 when it started investing in early colleges, including Bard. Uh, 2001 was when we opened our first public early college high school in New York City in partnership with the New York City Department of Education. And I noticed that you're in uh, you're in some very challenged urban settings. You're in Manhattan, Queens, Newark, Cleveland, and I, I know of your work in Baltimore uh, it, that obviously is part of the mission is to to take this this old idea as you say it's been around a while and and, and reintroduce it into into the urban challenge that is a American education. Yes, so from the beginning, early college has been premised on the assumption that the failures of American high school cut across income, race, geography, and other lines. So it's really a universal reform. However, Bard wanted to do this work in the public system and mirror the demographics of that system. So New York City, where we were first invited to open, presented a great chance to create a truly diverse early college for students of all backgrounds. Our goal was to create a model to demonstrate that the increased engagement and academic performance and really long-term success that came from repurposing 11th and 12th grades um, was effective. So 
given the inequitable access to college, rising college costs, and unequal college outcomes based on race and class in particular, we've made a concerted um, effort and really a conscious decision to focus our expansion on school districts where students had less access to liberal arts programs like BARD and where college access and success rates were below national averages. So as you said, we've been expanding outside of New York City to Newark, Cleveland, New Orleans, Baltimore, and D.C., that being said, we believe the early college model works in a wide variety of contexts. Um, it's just that we wanted to focus our resources on those most in need for whom access to a college degree that's free can have the most transformative impact. I'm most familiar with your work in Baltimore, and I know in that circumstance, you you don't rely on any assessments to choose your students. It's a, it's a school of choice, but it's a contract school. Uh, and I believe you do a personal interview and you rely on an essay to pick your students. Uh, as a school of choice, you're a contract school, not a charter school. There are certain similarities, but what what is uh, what is the difference between those two? And and is that a model, uh, you know, that you use across the country as well? Yeah. So our admissions process has been evolving, and you're right; it's really qualitative. So in Baltimore and in DC, we use an interview and a writing assessment, and that's true across all of our campuses. Um, you know, for our schools, we always intended to partner with public school systems and serve as a proof point of innovation within those systems instead of creating our own separate school network. So we have uh, agreements, MOUs that govern our partnerships with our districts and that give us autonomy over the academic program. So the hiring, the curriculum, um, all the things that allow us to offer both a high school diploma and a college degree. Um, in Baltimore, as you mentioned, the school system had a framework for operator-led schools, the contract process, which is very similar to the charter process, so we chose that route. Uh, but in reality, the difference between our contract in Baltimore and in our other districts is pretty minimal. Um, we do believe that various management approaches work for early college. You basically need a willing higher ed partner and a willing high school partner, so it can be traditional public or charter or another school type. Um, and for some of our newer initiatives, we're partnering with charter schools as well. But ultimately, Bard's primary designation is as a college, um, and specifically one that offers tuition-free college programs of study in partnership with public school systems. So Clara, walk me through your average graduation rates for both high school and also how many of the students uh, are graduating with a two-year associate's degree. Sure. So in the most recent class, class of 19, uh, this year will be a little bit more challenging. Um, the average high school graduation rate across our campuses was 96%. And that's students who are earning both a high school diploma and also at least one year of college credit. Um, in addition, we're really proud that our associate's degree attainment rate was 83%. And most of our students are taking those credits and going on to four-year schools. So they can accelerate and finish faster, uh, certainly finish on time. So our college graduation rates at the bachelor's degree level have also been well above national averages. When I first met you, Clara, you guys were trying to get into Baltimore. Baltimore City Schools was trying to bring you in, but you were getting some pushback from the Higher Education Commission here in the state of Maryland, particularly from some local community colleges that were put off, shall we say, that you were going to be, that our city was going to be giving uh, city money, state money to an out-of-state college. Is that the kind of pushback you've seen elsewhere? Do you, do you see those kinds of challenges when you're trying to enter a new market? So Maryland was an exception in terms of the level of opposition that we faced. Um, but BARD is a really unique institution in being really the only four-year independent college in the country that offers a free two-year degree as part of its core work. So 
Um, it's understandable that we encountered skepticism, especially from people who weren't as familiar with BARD. Um, and in Maryland, there was particular skepticism, as you remember, around an out-of-state institution and a four-year college specifically offering a two-year degree. Uh, we were competition or perceived as such. But what's most important to us is that over time, the opposition goes away once the school is established and people see the positive impact. Um, we actually um, have very good relationships now with the local community colleges in Baltimore. Uh, we send graduates to them. Our faculty take some of their courses in order to get certified. And we welcome visitors from local community colleges in Baltimore that wanted to open their own early colleges. So I think the community colleges are real partners in this work. Um, and actually, I think early college is a great way to help redefine and reinvigorate community colleges and help move away from remedial education. So we think it's far better to provide college courses for free to high school students than to provide essentially high school courses to college students at a college price tag, which is what happens with the remedial coursework. I tell you, when I, w when I worked at the U.S. Department of Education, I, I visited a lot of schools, Clara, uh, all over the country at every level. And I used to say that uh, early in the year, the school year, when you visit a kindergarten class, it's the most hopeful room in America. And I, I have to say that uh, having seen your graduation ceremony a couple of years ago with parents from Baltimore just after the Freddie Gray riots, many of whom probably didn't have high school degrees themselves, let alone associate's degrees. Watching the reaction at that ceremony was one of the most inspiring things I have ever seen in my life, uh, brought tears to my eyes. And I, I wonder if you could share just some of the success stories, some of the colleges that some of those students from Baltimore uh, have, been, uh, have been accepted in, how they're doing, some of the other great stories that you can share would be great for the listeners. Sure. Thank you for that, Todd. So in our founding class in Baltimore, um, we had a class of under 100 students who were accepted to over 125 colleges. So we have students at Johns Hopkins, we have students at University of Maryland, um, and we have students at the community college. So what's really great is that our school is truly representative of Baltimore City. We serve every zip code um, across our network, not just in Baltimore. About half of our students are the first in their families to go to college. So as you said, these graduation ceremonies, when students walk across the stage with an associate's degree, are a really big deal. Um, so we're super proud of the you know, amazing colleges that our graduates have gone to and the students who struggled with us and picked themselves back up and are graduating with their AA and going into the workforce. So I'm really proud just to see the diversity of the students we serve um, and of what they choose to do after BARD. BARD's been a pioneer in this, in this industry, if you will. I mean, what challenges do you face? What other challenges do early college high schools face uh, compared to, say, an average public school? Yeah, you know, many of the challenges we face are shared by institutions of higher education and by K-12 schools, um, whether it's, you know, credit transfer or addressing students' mental health needs. Um, I will say the expectations and requirements of K-12 and higher ed are very different, and so we're constantly having to navigate that. Um, in many ways, there are fewer challenges that you might think. Um, it's actually much easier to teach young people to be good college students as they're still developing as people um, in terms of their habits, their attitudes, approaches to learning. Um, and it's easier to make the transition to higher education in a familiar climate with a lot of support. Uh, but nonetheless, those tr transitions are definitely difficult. And the data bears that out if you look at college completion rates across the country. Um, our unique challenge at BARD is to create a high-quality college experience within public high school settings and make that feel real for the students and the faculty. So we have to hire well, finding college professors and administrators who want to dedicate their careers to serving adolescents, 
And we have to find students who are motivated to participate and make sure that they're properly engaged. Um, I wish that we had the benefit of our main campus and all the resources associated with it. Um, but we're located in public high school buildings, and we have to make sure that what happens within the classroom is truly different and special for our students. So with the schools now out of business, how are you getting, how are you reaching your students? What what platforms are you using? Are you taking advantage of something that the district's offering? What, what are you doing to get to the students? Yeah, so first we sent devices and hotspots to all students who didn't have access. Um, and what we've done at the college level in particular is give a fair amount of autonomy to our faculty. So we're able to do virtual walkthroughs and there's, you know, there's resource, resource sharing that's happening constantly. Um, but we're doing a combination of synchronous seminar discussions as well as asynchronous work. And a lot of one-on-one follow-up contact with professors and counselors and the like. Um, it is certainly a challenge, especially for our most at-risk students. Um, and that's definitely what keeps me and all of the administrators up at night. I can only imagine. I, I know that you're also, Clara, a, you know, an advocate for this movement generally. What do you see uh, for the future of, of early college high schools, not just Bard, but, but elsewhere? Yeah, so our vision is very bold. We hope that every student in America has access to a high-quality, affordable post-secondary pathway during high school when they're ready, so that they are truly exposed to and prepared for what comes next. So this is a radical change, um, but we would really like to see the broad expansion of early college in the coming years with quality and with a variety of program options and institutions participating. And actually, in the wake of COVID-19, this is more important than ever, given the difficult economic situation that we will all face. Um, The one thing I will say is that one area of real growth in this movement is the access. So right now, more than a million students take dual enrollment courses of some kind, but we do see big gaps in access by income and race. And so our hope is that over time, the movement expands in a serious way um, and that the demographics of the students served reflect the demographics of the high school student body in the U.S. Well, Clara, I really want to thank you for joining us today. It really is a, a radical notion, radical meaning getting back to the basics. And uh, we learned today that early college, high school, expecting more from a 17-year-old uh, than we might otherwise is is not something that's new and something that Bard Early College is really trying to, to spread the word in, in, in cities across the country. And I really want to thank you for being on the show. And uh, Claire, if you wouldn't mind, tell our listeners how they can find you on social media, LinkedIn, website, any of that. Sure. Thank you so much, Todd, for having me. Our website is bard.edu slash early college. And you can find us on Facebook at, at Bard Early Colleges, Twitter at BHSEC, Instagram at Bard Early Colleges, and LinkedIn, you're always welcome to find me under my name, Clara Haskell-Botstein. Very good. Well, I want to thank the listeners for tuning in. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor, uh, and tune into our website at www.strategosgroup.com or our, our link, LinkedIn page as well. I want to thank our uh, engineers, Orlando Pryor, who's helping us put this all together. Thank my, 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 my guest today, Clara Botstein from Bard Early College High School. And I want to thank you all again for listening to The Policy Matters. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to learn more about our guest, Clara Haskell-Botstein, you can visit bhsec.bard.edu, and you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll see you next time.